Welcome back to the Draft Champions Podcast. I'm here with Adam Najemi. Is that did I pronounce that correctly? Najemi, yeah. Najemi, how you doing? You're you've made you made your rounds around uh, the NFBC community this uh, this um, I guess early draft season. I've heard, I've heard some uh, people talk about some trash talk and some drafts, and uh, you made you made a little bit of name for yourself. So um, I think we've been in a few drafts, um, senior drafts. Uh, Listen to your podcast, and you know what? Like you're an interesting individual. I want to talk to you. <laughs> it's a euphemism, huh? Interesting. Yeah, I have my opinions. I have my opinions, and uh, I'm not quiet about them. That's good. And uh, that, I don't know if you if you listen to any of our episodes, we're the same way. So I think we might get along pretty well. Uh, um, so you have a podcast. You, you, you get paid for it, or is it just a pro- no, no? No, it's it's a labor of love. It, it's just something I do. Now, do you think you people know? should get paid for like everything they do, like for fantasy for? Let me rephrase that for fantasy. Any any content that people provide, somebody's providing content, should they be paid for it? Yeah, I saw that on uh I don't know. I mean I mean it's capitalism. If you're making people money and they can't get it anywhere else, maybe they should. It's also free market, right? So if you if you're doing something right. that was worth money, you'd be you'd be getting paid for it. Yeah. I mean, listen, there are podcasts and, and maybe yours will be one of them. Uh especially if you know, since you guys kind of think outside the box a little bit, or at least talk about those sort of things that will legitimately, tangibly make me money, I still get it for free. I'm not going to offer to pay for it, but I might a little bit. You know what I mean? I think you just, you got to do something different enough to be worth money. Right. Um, you got to be unique. Yeah. So how many, drafts you, have you, how many drafts have you done so far? Um. So I'm a Patriots fan. So I've I've gotten in earlier than I usually do because I'm usually obsessed with the Patriots for about six months. So, uh, but just about, I, I think like five or six, I didn't count them all, but like five or six, right. I think like four best ball double ups, five or six, um, draft champions. And then some NFBC fifties. I just started. Um, that's what I started with. I mean, I did about four or five of those. So best ball double ups are from what I hear free money. If you if you can't if you can't land in the in the for, especially for a hundred dollar sign up if you can't land in the top five and a majority of them, you know. So I'm probably including signups and completed drafts. I'm probably a hundred drafts deep already. Yeah, hundred. But a lot of those are gladiators. I'll, I'm I'm maxed out in the gladiator contest. Fifty four of those. A lot of best ball. A bunch of DCs. I'm 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 going to be at like a hundred probably before the new year which is disgusting yeah I'm, I'm obviously way behind you and i will be at least for a couple of years but uh those gladiators i don't even know what to do with them i i'm still trying to figure it out one it's of slot them machines. Was... it's a slot machine if you win yeah luck. yeah i guess so if you lose i guess so if you lose it's all luck and if you win no one's gonna no one's gonna respect it because it's all luck anyways but um yeah um i don't know i don't like to go too much into uh personal life you said you're, i guess maybe you're, are you from um boston area yeah i'm from massachusetts yeah um, hey, uh, Adam, um, this is uh, Dr. Bjorn Masterson. I know Zach said he doesn't want to necessarily get into personal life, but I had a quick question for you. Um, so I am a doctor, as I mentioned, and one thing I've heard people suggest, um, you know, when you're making love uh, or, or having sex, if you will, to last longer, that you should think about baseball. And whenever I do that, I find myself um, ejaculating almost immediately because <laughs> I love my drafts. I love my teams. I think about, you know, those max ADP I just set on Corey Seager, and then it's all over for me. So um, do you have any, do you have that same problem when you think about your draft? Do you, what, what do you think about while you're making love? 
I got a lot of lawyers in my family, and this is recorded. So someone just whispered in my ear, no comment. I'm going to plead the oh. fifth there. All right. Well, well, thanks, Adam. And if you, uh, yeah. after we're done recording, if you think of anything that you'd like me to think of while I'm making love to help me out, uh, let me know. Uh, back I, to I will. James, he's a tough nut to crack. Usually Bjorn's really good at getting stuff out of guys. I mean, I, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say, man. All right. Um, so do you want to do you want to tell everyone the, your Twitter handle? Do you want more followers in case people listen to this? Sure. Um, I think it's Fantasy Disrupt on Twitter. I don't tweet a, a, a whole ton. Um, my podcast for about three years, I had about 20 episodes a season. It's not too much in season. It's called Fantasy Baseball Disrupted. Um, it's, you know, it's available anywhere, but, um, I've kind of slowed down and just done episodes about, you know, how the landscape has changed in pitching and hitting, et cetera, and how to adjust, you know, what I've kind of already previously covered to that. Cool. So, um, let's get right into it. You, you talked about, um, exploiting the rules rather than, um, I guess, player analysis. And I've been, I've always said that I think roster construction and str strategic considerations probably trump player analysis in the long run. I, I think that's, so I think we might agree on that. Um, but you've, you've played some best ball. We've been in some best ball drafts together and you've also done some roto leagues. What, what, what are the main rule uh, differences that you can exploit uh, when you're talking best ball versus roto? I mean, so I, I sent this message back to you because I don't know if you realize I'm brand new in best ball. And, and I don't know if you saw that or not. So my initial inclination, like this is the first year I've done it. And the only reason I really did it was because it was double up. And I love the concept of double up. I mean, so it, it kind of it, it's similar to how I might do the draft champions. I like to draft a lot of starting pitching because. Uh, and I'll get to best ball in a second, but in, in draft champions, you can sort of trim the fat and, you know, with, with streaming options, the more options you have, you know, obviously you're going to uh, pitch against the A's, et cetera. And I kind of see that as automatically being done for you in best ball. So heavy depth, I, I'm sure this is nothing new. Uh, I'm sure that's the first thing anyone says, but heavy depth in, um, in starting pitching is huge, but, to that point, not necessarily. I don't agree with uh, starting. Um, I, I mean, uh, getting in the early part of your draft uh, a couple of a couple of true studs like on the night, you know, Garrett Cole, Zach Wheeler, whatever, Spencer Strider. I don't think you need to do that if you have enough starting pitchers. Um, you know, maybe 14, 15, uh, to to be able to produce pretty great outcomes. Yeah, and I think maybe not at I think that's even more prevalent in best ball. I think it, I think your point is even emphasized in best ball, but it also, like you said, applies to like draft champions leagues. And I think, um, um, like not not enough people look at like the actual context and rules in each in each draft. I don't know if you're familiar with um, Phil Dussault, but he he had a he was a he had a huge season back in 2020 21, and he's uh, one of the best players out there in the NFBC, and and he sort of. Um, made the um taking a couple starting pitchers early but then just like backfilling a, a high amount of volume starting pitchers later in the draft rather than and then just getting a limited number of starting pitchers early and he tried that strategy in in draft champions leagues and um you know what like looking at your drafts like as a player 
you remind me a lot of Phil in terms of like your skill and your strategy. Um, so I think like you two have a very, very similar strategy and um, it's just a matter of um, um, executing it, right? Yeah. And giving yourself, you got to cover margin for error because you're not drafting and me, I'm not even drafting a pitcher in the, in the top, you know, 10 rounds, unless there's an obscene, you know, underdrafted guy there. Um, so I have to draft enough starting pitchers um, to, to have generally my theory that drives that is from SP 30. I don't know where the cutoff is to SP I don't know, 60, it's, it's hard to predict who, you know, who will be better than the other. Like maybe SP 30 is going to be better than SP 60, but in there, like there's a lot of volatility. So I just want, but within SP 30 to SP 60 on a year to year basis, I feel like there are going to, if you get enough of those guys, there are going to be a certain amount of them that, that pop and become SP sort of uh, SP you know, top 30 type pitchers or top 40 type pitchers. And, um, and, and that's what drives it. I want to get just a whole bunch of them. And I've already gotten my hitters by the time I start uh, drafting those guys. So around, I would say pick, you know, 180, 160, sometimes 200, um, depending on where I draft. Uh, that's when I start just going, you know, six out of eight starting pitchers uh, the next eight rounds. But, what about I, I what about twelves versus fifteens? Do you see any like? Is there a strategic? Um, there's sort of like a, does does a sweet spot for certain positions change? Have you noticed in twelves versus for fifteens? You mean for starting pitchers or anyone? Anyone, anything, any pitcher, any any position. Like do you, does like uh, every year? I think the like I, I remember last year, like for example, first base was a lot deeper in the twelves because. Um, just because of the supply and demand. Like I remember last year, like Nate Lowe, you can get near the end of these 12 and these 12 team, 12 team draft and holds or OCs. Whereas like in the 15 teamers, first base became really scarce by the end of like, your like you're filling up the starting, filling out everyone's starting lineups. Is there any like position that is say in 12s a little bit more, you can wait a little bit longer to fill that spot in 12s versus 15s. Well, I'll go the other way where I want to get somebody in a 12 is in a 12 team league is, you know, like second base and outfield. Just I I consider those to be um, just because you need five outfielders, um, even if you only have to start one second baseman at a time, uh, the the shallowest position. So let's just put catcher aside for a second. And I, I think there's a huge drop off at second base. So in a 15 team league after, I don't know, Jose Altuve, you know, they're, they're really maybe Matt McClain, whatever. There are like four teams who are going to have guys we project to be possibly elite. And so 11 other teams or 10 other teams and, and yourself are going to have, you know, this sort of middling pick of the, in a 12 team league, right? You're talking about now it's, it's you and eight other teams, right? So, I mean, it, it, I like to grab in a 12 team league, even in a 15 league, 15 team league because um, I like to get that advantage um, because the, the drop-off is so steep. I think from, I guess we'll put Mookie Betts in there, but I never draft Mookie Betts because I'm never there. Um, but Albies, you know, Semyon and uh, Altuve are, are kind of the three guys I'm always uh, toiling over. I like to get them because I think the drop-off after that um, is huge. And, and, and that's 
I, I would say more pronounced in a 15 team league. Right. <clears throat> I'm sorry, about, in a um, in a 12 team league. Yeah, that's right. I figured you meant that. Um, what about position? Oh, what about uh, categorically? Like um, stolen bases? How has how have things changed this year versus last year? Like stolen bases are obviously a big thing. Um, um, I don't know. I I feel like stolen bases. It, it's just everything's gone up. I mean. Yeah. There are certain guys who have obviously ballooned at probably a higher rate um, than others. You know, maybe, I don't know, a Kyle Schwarber type. I know he had zero, but let's just say a Kyle Schwarber type goes from zero to four or whatever, you know, because he because he has that. He didn't. But I'm just saying someone like that, whereas uh, percentage wise, you know, maybe I don't know what Bobby Witt would have done in 2023 with the old rules, but maybe he goes from 30 to 47. And so I think it's a little disproportionate toward uh, the guys who are already good base stealers that they'll increase their stolen base total um, by a higher percentage. And and this kind of ties into, you know, we're going to talk about Ellie De La Cruz a little bit. Ellie De La Cruz, even in a 14, you know, hitter. Is it all right if I mention him? Sorry? Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, he, if he gets 50 stolen bases – that's close to a third of 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 what you can get. So I like to get a couple of guys who can steal 30, but I especially value someone um, who, who can get even more. And, you know, I think it's kind of unpredictable for the eight stolen base. Could tell Marte, I don't know, he could have two next year. He could have 12, I, you know, so uncertain there. So let's talk about it. Um, sure. You took him in our draft on the, on the, on the one-two turn in our, in our best ball draft. What do you, what do you, you, and I think you asked me, let's talk, let's talk about him. I'm, what do you, what are your expectations on him? And I'll be fair. I'll, I'll give you my expectations first. Um, just to be fair. I think it's a, it's a huge range of outcomes. I, I think that doing a projection on him is kind of a fool's errand because it's more binary than most, because either he's going to be um, a big underperformer based on where you're taking him, or he's going to be, or he's going to crush it. So, like looking at his projections, he's got thirty stolen bases in his projections. I think he's an, I think he's going to exceed that as long as he plays. Now, um, twenty one home runs. Like I don't know, that seems about fair. I think that the hype and the way he plays really gets people excited. But being realistic, you don't know what like what his playing time is. Like, is he going to play every day? Where is he going to bat? Um, they do have a lot of different position players. I think trades are going to happen. It's just really hard to know. It's a it's it's a really volatile outcome. What are your thoughts? What, what are you expecting? You took him like in say the second round. What are you expecting from him? You t- because you took him over like Bryce Harper. Yep. Um, part of that is I I don't think it's that volatile for his stolen bases. I mean, what did he have? Thirty three or thirty five or thirty six? Yeah. And he batted. You know. 230-something. 486 at-bats last year. So what? what how many – or sorry, that, that's his projection. Um, so Okay, so let's get back to the original question. I'm thinking 2050 for him, 2050. and I don't think it's that volatile. Okay, so, don't... You, so let's even give him – like I'm looking at his projections. He's got 21 home runs in his projection. We'll leave it there. And he's got 30 stolen bases. Let's bump up that 30 to 50 stolen bases. Okay. 
That's um, so give him a 2050 season runs RBIs. What do you think right now? He's at 66 and 68. You want to bump him up there? I mean, 60, 60, 66 runs, 68, still 68 RBIs. I mean, he had 66 runs last year batting all over the place, you know, with, with, with five months. Okay. So let's give him an 80, let's give him an 80 runs, 80 runs. I mean, if, Listen, if he if he bats second, it, it's I think it's going to be in the ninety. Even if he bats two thirty five, if he if he bats fourth, you know maybe it tilts more toward. Okay, let's give him 90, 90 runs. So we're bumping up his run total to ninety, and um, right now the, we have a batting average in the projections of two forty six. So that's one hundred and twenty. So let's let's give him a full six hundred at bats, and. Let's give him 140 hits. So he bats 233, you want to say? Or, that's not an unexpected outcome, yeah. Or so maybe even 150, that gives him a 250. Nah, he's not 250. Let's give him 145 hits. So he's batting, he's a 242 batting average. So he's got 60, 600 at-bats, 90 runs, 50 stolen bases, and 21 home runs. In that NFBC um, best ball setting with the points, and, and you say you exploit the rules, so you know the rules well, that would give him 672 points on the NFBC scoring system. So again, that's a 241 batting average across 600 at-bats, 21 homers, 90 runs, 68 RBIs, and 50 stolen bases. Now, if you take Bryce Harper, who you passed on for Ellie, and take his projections of 30 home runs, um, 94 runs, 97 RBIs, which is probably fair, um, 13 stolen bases that exceeds um, Ellie. So the, the projection that we gave Ellie that the, the, the 672 points, that's still going to fall short of Devers, Freeman, Vlad, Mookie, Soto, Tucker, all of these guys um, in, in just using their steamer projections, which admittedly, I don't think are anything that great, but still like, I don't even look at uh, steamer projections, but I agree with what you said about, about Harper. Harper's a stud. Um, but it, it, you're talking about in best ball with points and yeah. I, I'm not as familiar and you may be right on that. Um, however, uh, and I know the points weren't, weren't elite for Tristan Cassis, but I can get Tristan Cassis at 90 at 90. I don't know where I can get like the percentage of, 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 uh, Bryce Harper that Tristan Cassis is at third or short, uh, to replace, you know, it's all about a value over replacement uh primarily i like to get ellie um you know in draft champions etc but if i mean stolen bases are value they're almost as much as a as a home run in that in that format i'm still trying to get a grip on on the fact that there it's four points for a hit which is it's kind of that's high for me but but um it it, it, it Who's at third base that's at about a hundred? Well, look that... at Gunnar, look at Gunnar Henderson, exact same position eligibility as Ellie. He's projected for around six hundred points, which would be lower than what your our projection, our modified projection of Ellie. Yeah, but for twenty-one still... home runs. Yeah, for twenty-one. I, I mean, he could hit 30, 40 and bat two fifty. So I'm I'm not putting out of the realistic outcome that he's a two fifty hitter. And I'm not putting out of the uh, possibility or realistic possibility that he's playing 
forget the playing every day. He's not going to get platooned. I just don't buy into that at all. But that he's not going to start in the minors, I don't think he will. And that he'll bat in the top four. I hope um, he's going to start in the minors. But um, take a guy like Corey Seager, right? I guess he's you're, you're missing the third base eligibility. But um, you took Ellie over Seager. And um, you took him over Jose Ramirez, too. What? How many points did Ramirez get in best ball last year? Um, I don't know, but he's projected for, I can tell you in a second, he's projected for 729 this year, but I know, we, I agree, I, I do not like Steamer. Um, let's see, what did he get last year? He got 663 points. Jose Ramirez. Yeah. And, and with no upside, really. Like, he's not going to all of a sudden do better than, you know, I like, a, I, agree. I agree. Yeah. And, so some and, of, a lot, a lot of this sounds like it's uh betting on the come or on, on the upside uh, kind of like, uh, like people were doing for Bobby Witt last year. Well, that's exactly it. And, and it's not, but it's not just the upside. Jared Kelnick had upside. And I think we, we found out, um, you know, he doesn't quite have the makeup. Obviously that's hindsight, but I have heard, from multiple sources that Ellie has great makeup in that, for instance, um, because they're often compared um, O'Neill Cruz uh, uh, does not. Um, and so if you have, like, I love those guys, obviously, especially in dynasty, we're not talking about that, but I love those guys with makeup who have had experience failing. I look at like an Austin Riley, um, Norn always talks about that. He loves guys. With maybe. Makeup. Yeah. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it is Maybelline. I don't know if we could visually confirm that, but no, I mean, like it's, it's not tangible, but multiple sources says the guy has great makeup. Uh, he succeeded just like Austin Riley did when he came up and then Austin Riley hit like 15 home runs in 40 games. And then he, he batted like 150 in the next year. Anyone who drafted him, um, you know, thinking he could be the guy in the first half or he could adjust to the adjustment that was made to him got a huge benefit um I, I had heard talent wise that bobby witt was just kind of elite and i was i was in on him and uh julio rodriguez i was in on trading for them after the first month of 2022 because uh, uh once they started getting it going but i do see that as a similar to uh, a bobby witt i mean like we talk about 20 home runs all you got to do is prorate what he did last year ellie and he has 20 home runs and that includes like two months where he was bad, awful, awful. And I don't like to play this game really, but I used to do it like Brendan Rogers, who in his first like full rookie half season, you know, he didn't get the benefit. He just didn't hit better at course. Ellie did not hit very well at, at in Cincinnati. And um, I, I just think with a larger sample size, the dude hits the ball hard i think he can get away batting 230 um i'm not expecting him to bat 250 but i think he can i think he can bat 230 and with the stolen bases runs and potentially hitting 30 home runs be be worth that pick but when when, when you say you have sources is that research you've done or is that people uh telling you stuff articles podcasts gotcha. i, I gotcha. don't have sources like i'm not going to pretend like i know anything about the guy but but I, but I, if I hear it two or three different places, you know. Sure, understood. I was just yeah. wondering, what podcast do you listen to? What are your favorites? Yeah. Uh, for my MLB, like cover everything that's happening, get caught up. It's uh, fantasy baseball today, 
Um, and then uh, for the prospect stuff, I love um, James Anderson and and uh, and uh, his list, and obviously his podcasts and his blurbs. Like I, I just try to consume everything um, that he talks about um, because I just you know like I just I can't do research and <laughs> on, on you know a thousand players and yeah, and research so, is just overrated. I like Lenny Melnick um, the most for my, 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 my baseball info. He's got a podcast that comes out a daily. That's basically all I've been listening to. Um, He's got a network, right? Doesn't he have multiple? I don't know. He's, but it's oh, Lenny, Lenny Melnick podcast. He just, he I've basically just a, name, name, a news yeah. dump. He, like, out, out. If I were to listen to any podcast, that would be the one I would listen to. Um, best one out there, in my opinion. Um, so have you, I think I've heard you talk about drafting from the turn, like K, like KDS style. Do you, do you like the you like being on the edge more than the middle, or what do you prefer? More than the middle. I mean, listen, this year I think I never trusted Judge, so I wouldn't call him an outlier going into this 2023. But Acuna, like you know, come on, it, it doesn't matter if I draft 50th, I get Acuna, and then I draft 50th. That's obviously preferable. But I put, but I put 15 after drafting third. Yeah, I do. And and, um, you know, I don't know where the drop off is exactly. And it's changing, you know, uh, early, but around 25, 26, 27. I don't know. I, you know, it, 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 there's a drop off somewhere. And, have you, have and you ever I, passed on? Have you ever passed on a QNO this year for anyone? No, no, no. Okay. But listen, I, go, no, never mind. Go ahead. No, so like uh, back to the, like like let's say I agree with you, but like there is a drop off at, at a point. I think there's a drop off, um, like at like if you're at pick like twelve, like there's a couple of good players that wrap around, and then after you're like if you're like at pick eleven, you're gonna get a decent pick at pick eleven. But then like there's a really big tier drop off. Like I think uh, three to four picks into the second round. But like, talk about double tapping. Like, is there a strength to like double tapping? Like taking like say two two catchers to outfielders like on the on that turn yeah it's like if you have a very specific roster construction like if you can't not if you can't pivot to different directions but if you really don't want to like to implement with full fidelity your roster construction i think it's it's super valuable to know to be able to pick back to back um your guys like i with ellie I think Ellie is going to be worth uh, like I would pick him 10th if I could pick 11th too. Okay. I would spend the a, a 10th round pick on, I mean a 10th pick on him, but I, I also need to pair him with Jordan Alvarez or if Juan Soto, you know, or Shohei Otani or something to make up for it. So that's an example where um, like you say double tapping, you're talking about one position. Well, yeah. Like I think I've heard, People, I don't know if it was necessarily you, but I've heard people say like when I'm on, I'm on picking from the 15 spot, I will double tap like the same type of player in each round, sort of like make it a theme each round. Like this is my catcher turn, this is my closer turn, right? Yeah, I like to do that on second base. Um, there, there's an opportunity sometimes at at 30, 31. Um, to do that with like a semi and, and just deplete it for everybody else. Yeah. So that, yeah. you know, the, the, the drop, 
it's just it's it, it just as important. I've always I've, I've preached this. It's all it's just as important for fucking over people as it is building a good team for yourself. I mean, if you're great and everyone else is great, you know, it's all relative to how everyone else is. So yep, you gotta play. Um, against, but, you gotta play with the rules. So let's get into. Um, do you find yourself having to be um, really beholden to ADP when you're on the turn, or do you make your own not at all. moves? Not at all, ever really. So you're not a, you're not afraid to to um, reach around on a guy. If if you need to, no, I I I'd rather get uh, Tristan Cassis at seventy five rather than him. what's that? I'd reach around on on Cassis. Yeah, rather seen, than seen his new dreadlocks. You know, his eight oh. What's that? See his new dreadlocks? No, he's a he's a weird, funny dude though. I don't know if you've seen his interviews. I've seen him a little bit from Boston media. He's a different guy. He's going to be a character. I think that's probably going to go national. How how interesting he is, but uh, it, rather than you know get him at seventy five, and I think he's going to be at least worth uh seventy five. It's not like I think I'm reaching for beyond what I think he's going to be worth. I think it's in between what he's going to be worth and where he's being drafted. But I don't want to have it be a fifty fifty bet that um I I get him at one hundred five. You know, if I'm picking at seventy five, I'm picking at one hundred five, and then I have to settle for what I think is a more flawed you know, Torkelson or CES or something. Um, at, when at, would at you start, place. like, when is it realistic to start giving some sort of like reach around um, or like, you're not going to do it at the two, three turn, but like mid, mid draft. I mean, I do it at the one, two turn. I, I draft um, Aussie Albies and Ellie De La Cruz. I've done that in, in three of, of 14. That's not like, you know, 20 spots ahead. But that's yeah. the twentieth and twenty second ADP uh, pick. The reason for Ellie is not position, but the reason for Albies is because if I'm picking at fifteen, sixteen, I'm not getting Altuve or Semyon at at forty five. Uh, right at at forty five and forty six. So that's my last opportunity to get one of the elite second basemen, unless you count Matt McLean. Um, but sure. But listen, I like to be – you got to be safe. Ellie uh, De La Cruz is not a great example, but I, I am safe. But I will do it whenever I feel like I'm going to miss out on, you know, the drop-off. If I'm going to miss out on the last guy who, you know, represents a, a, an 85%, uh, you know, replacement value. Right on. So uh, we talk about ADP and – uh ADP is very important, um, I think, in in these in in the NFBC because you got to know how to build your plan. So, but I think that there's a lot of players, especially like if you take last year for example, you look back in hindsight, you say, "Wow, we just collectively missed the boat on this." Or like, there's a lot of group think going on. A lot of people like um, copying each other. That's what I hate about these early drafts. You get people just like, or you can tell people they're just like, just like extreme copycats. They're just getting these drafts and just watching your players and then you see them take the, take your players the next time like okay you fucker you're you're just copying me um i gotta but- i gotta call you out here zach though because you keep a dossier on people and then you jump them so you're kind of doing I, know. The same thing. I know i hate it i do i do it though i, I was thinking that, <laughs> i was thinking that today i'm like yeah i'm kind of a hypocrite because like people copy me but the difference is i keep a dossier and seeing who people draft the difference between me and these copycats is I'm not taking these players on my team because they're taking them. And I think like I want them to, because they're drafting them. I'm looking at them like, if I do want the player, 
do I need to jump them? So say I'm drafting the 13 spot, you're in the 15 spot. I'm like, okay, um, Adam, I know Adam likes his player and I also right. like that player. I'm going to take that player first or there's another player that I've seen him never draft. Oh, so I could probably wait on that player and not draft him. Whereas there's some people that are just pure, just copying your picks. It's a, sure, there's, a, there's, the there's, a, there's, there's a big distinction there. Yeah, yeah, that's the only sense. reason I took Tristan Cassis at 75 is because I was in the draft with someone else and he took him at 88 or whatever. There you so go. I, yeah, he's not going to be at 105. There you go. Um, so are there, there are, other, are there, like I asked you, are there two players you think the market's totally out to lunch on, like taking them way too, like going that are going way too late? Because you can think of players like that last year, like Justin Steele. People just were like, no one was buying in on him for what he did for what he ended up doing are there people that are there players you think that you can feel or you sense you have a gut sense this player is just going like rounds rounds too late and people are just going to be kicking themselves yeah i mean tristan cassis i i i think he's going to be a third or fourth round player next year i i really do i i don't know that his average is going to be you know 280 uh i think but i think with like so he was very um he was very selective. Uh, you know, he, he's known for being a very patient hitter. He was very selective in the, uh, you know, beginning part of the season. Alex Cora told him to basically get aggressive. And if you look at in the, he was basically for the last uh, three and a half months, he batted, I don't know, 317, 417, 617 for, for more than 50 games. Um, and if you look at his totals, he had like 24 home runs with 60 something RBI. It's like that's not enough, especially in that lineup. But his overall numbers belie what he did, you know, basically in in the three and a half months where he he kind of turned it on. And, and listen, like what he did in those months, and even his overall numbers are, are good enough that I, I just don't know. I don't know why he's not getting pushed up more. Like I think he performed better than Vinny P two years ago uh, in a, in a partial season and didn't display a lot of power and was in a worse lineup uh, than, than Boston and definitely a worse park uh, than, than Fenway. And I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know why maybe it's just his overall numbers and and weren't outstanding, but I I think it's going to be a stud. Start from Toronto and um, or the Toronto area, and I think maybe people are thinking like, why draft Chris, Tristan Cassis with his patience when you can just draft Kevin Biggio like four hundred picks later? I mean, is that a serious thing? No, it's not. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you actually got kind of upset by that. So, who's your second player? <laughs> no, I was just trying to figure it out. Uh, who's, who's the second? Who else you got for the somebody that you think that's going to be? Um, all right. Well, which one, which one do you want me to talk about? Uh, either Henry Davis or Mike Trout. Henry Davis or Mike Trout. I don't know. I kind of want you to talk about both of them. Okay. I'll try to be as quick as possible. You know, cut me off if you need to. Sure. Henry Davis, even before, um, even before Andy went down, um, I thought he was a steal at 330, 340 as your, your fifth outfielder. Um, and I thought he could, you know, maybe your fourth outfielder. I don't know. It depends on your, your build. But, um, you know, he was doing pretty well until he had that injury. And then, Obviously, it's a fool's errand trying to say, okay, he had an injury and that accounts for the poor performance. It wasn't the league adjusting to him, but he has, uh, uh, by all accounts, uh, a very good hit tool um, and a great pedigree. He started out very well. Uh, I think he's going to hit probably in the middle of that order. I think he was going to, well, yeah, it doesn't matter if he's outfield or catcher, but I, I think he was going to be worthy of a, of a fifth 
uh, outfielder on an already pretty good hitting team. Um, Now, his ADP is under 300 now, I think. And I got jumped for him after the ND news. And the, um, you know, the other catcher got injured in in Pittsburgh. So he's going to be catcher eligible is what I'm trying to say, almost certainly. And so, I mean, do you think he's, isn't he going to be pretty similar at at minimum to um, Gabriel Ruiz, provided Gabriel Ruiz doesn't, you know, to what Gabriel Ruiz did last year or what we might expect him to do this year? I mean, he's a good hitter. He's a good hitter. He was going to play the outfield every day and probably bat, you know, fourth, fifth or or sixth or something and not a phenomenal lineup um, and not a great park. But um, I think he's a good hitter. Um, He's going to be at catcher. So anyway, I got jumped for him. I was waiting until two, it was a 225 I was drafting. I said, all right, no one's going to take him at 250 because of ADP. This is a unique situation where it changes drastically because of injury, but Somebody, you know, somebody got him and I was waiting for 255 and I didn't have him and I didn't have a catcher yet. So I just settled for, you know, Austin Wells and I don't know, Freddie Fermin or something. But um, I was banking on getting him. I I think 180, like don't get him at 180 because people aren't taking him at 180. But I think if you absolutely need to at pick two, 210, I think he's he'll be worth the money at catcher. That's that's uh, that's uh, reasonable. What about Trout? Yeah, I, I just uh, tr- isn't Trout just Juan Soto before um, before going to the Yankees and with an injury risk, and and he's going in the seventies. Um, I mean, the guy hit forty home runs with with I think one hundred and sixty in two thousand twenty two. I know he played eighty two games last year with eighteen home runs and and good proratable stats, um, but I just think there's it's not that I'm banking on him uh, playing 140 games, but if he does, he's a f- essentially a 40 home run guy. I don't think he's a 260 hitter. I think he's a 270, 280 hitter. So I think he will, you know, he, he strikes out more now. He's got lower, you know, in zone contact rate. I've, I've seen all that. He's declined a little bit and maybe he's selling out for pyre, power since three, four years ago, but I just don't think he's, he should be being drafted in the seventies and I'm more than happy to get him at, at 60 or whatever, uh, in the outfield. And, and I guarantee you I'm alone in this. I think he's going to steal 10 bases this year. He can guarantee you're alone in that. Yeah, no, I know he can, he obviously can. Um, he's, I, I, I feel like there's, there's also a little bit of hunch to it. I think I'll try to be quick. Um, that I think, he's just going to feel this responsibility to like own up to his contract and do everything again, especially with Otani gone now. Oh, is this thing? But, are we talking to Ian Khan right now? <laughs> they are might we, not let him run. I don't know if he stole 10 bases in the last five years. Uh, my doorbell ring. I'll be right back. Why wouldn't they let him run? So he doesn't get injured. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, he hasn't, run, he hasn't run for years. He's been hurt. I think the injury risk is real. Yeah. I think um, it's not but, like, uh, Oh, like you can't project injury. This is just like, it's just, common sense at this point tropes but it's been real while he hasn't been stealing bases and ron washington let's not forget this this might be the biggest thing the rest of it is kind of hunch and knowing he can do it ron washington has said we want to be a a better uh base running doesn't necessarily mean base stealing um team and he mentioned he said mike mike trout can steal bases and i think he said it in the context of it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have mike trout steel bases but we just want to be you know first to third etc all that but um 
regardless, uh, that's not going to move the needle for me. I'm not banking on him um, stealing five or ten bases, but that's just a little aside. What about the what about the players that um that you think are being overdrafted? Nico Horner, and yeah. you're going to say, well, wh- what about Ellie De La Cruz? The main thrust is, but like you're no, going to have no. To... I wasn't going to say that. Well, but, but uh, a lot of people, and I'm I'm noticing the kind of you know somewhat uh, hypocritical, but like he's got a good average, he's got good runs, but you're going to have to make up so much for his home runs it's like a Stephen Kwan Stephen Kwan like you have to make up for Stephen Kwan or what did Nico Horner get nine home runs last year I, yeah. I don't think anyone's projecting it's going to be more um more than that and so you have to make up 10 home runs just to get to you know maybe a 20 home run average for everybody RBI same thing uh stolen bases are great runs are great average are great I just don't think he should be drafted uh where he's being drafted all right. Hey, quick question for you. Should we paywall this um this uh draft or this uh podcast? Should we make, make it, people like, pay people, for it? Maybe like put it behind a Patreon or should we just put it up for free? It's up to you. I'll give you I'll give you the option. I mean, I don't I don't think I'm a big draw, so <laughs> So free? That's part of it. We'll do it for free? Uh, probably, yeah. Okay. Oh, who's this? Adam, can can you hear me? Yes, who's this now? Uh, I'm, my name is Grandpa Ron. My, uh, I'm a, a friend. Uh, uh, my, my grandson is a friend with Bjorn. Bjorn, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay right now. Uh, I, I wanted to talk, do you do, uh, generally the one minute clock or the slow drafts? I do slow drafts right now. All right. Cause I, I, I just want, I have a message out there for our listeners and for you. If I don't know if this applies to you at all, but for, uh, my friend Ryan Ireland, he he hates the four-hour clock. He he gets so anxious. And I, I want to tell you, cooking and making love, you know what they have in common? You got to preheat the oven before you throw the meat in. And uh, slow drafts are kind of the same way. You want to enjoy them. You don't rush it. Uh, the draft is not a race. You take pleasure in it. You don't rush. And remember, even at every pick, if you have uh, three holes to fill, uh, you can only fill one at a time, and you want to plug the most uh, most enjoyable uh, need for your team. So uh, have a great night, and uh, I'll let Bourne come back very soon. I will. Now paywall this and have this we as the thumbnail. We don't we do not do video, or else we would paywall this. <laughs> this this should be this should be the thumbnail regardless. So uh, before we get into um, – I know you got to go soon, but uh, before we get into uh, our Jeopardy segment, how much time do you got left? I got time. Okay. Um, so I listened to your latest podcast. Um, did you, uh, I don't, I didn't see your board, but you talked about DeGrom, Jeff Springs, Rasmussen and Ray. Did, did you get all four of them? No, I, I've, 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 I've soured on them a little bit. Um, you didn't take I, all four in the same draft, did you? I, I may have early on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my general feeling was I was going to get two and a half months out of uh, all of or two months out of DeGrom half a season out of springs and i i, I was just kind of wrong on that let me, um, quote, let me hold on let's rewind uh adam i'm gonna yeah. quote i'm gonna quote you Uh-oh. i don't think he's going to pitch half a season in terms of jeff springs meaning that you thought he was gonna this is this is a couple of days ago actually no this this was your podcast this was maybe a month ago so maybe you did maybe you can take a step back but you, you thought springs is going to pitch more than half a year more than half yeah yeah right i was wrong okay 
Um, Dominguez, like similarly, Jason Dominguez, you, put, you said you took him at 380. Like, again, I guess maybe that was before. Was that before the Soto signing? Or the trade? Not the signing, the trade. Um, but I, again, my, my point, my, my my overarching point is that a lot of these players are like less than half a season project, like optimistically half a season. Um, taking a lot of these players, really, it's like in this in these DCs, it, 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 there's a lot of attrition. Just taking like before pick before like round thirty five, you're getting like four or five of these guys. It's really going to hamstring you, I think. I, I agree. However, I'm in on all of those guys. Um... It could be in on them, but like one of them, not like right. I don't. I don't think a lot. I don't think you gotta you gotta draw your line in the sand. And I think Degrom. I've taken Degrom. I've taken I've taken Degrom in these DCs, but like I think it, it it's binary for him. Either he's gonna be he's gonna be lights out for two months or month month and a half probably month and a half lights out, or he's just gonna have a setback and not play. So I think it's I think it's a decent. I think he's a decent pick. I think what you what you get out of him that late is might as well. Um, but you but you have a really heavy hitting approach right Hit, yeah very very heavy hitting approach and you're you're banking on i guess the upside of your pitchers but um i'm thinking like you, you said like you got you got some risky pitchers you got darvish rodon to have here um like they need to go back to like two years ago to do what they did like they can't it's hard to imagine they all go back to their stud form if i were counting on them all going back to stud form i'd have hands down the best team i'm not and i'm drafting my point is that some of them i I think some of them will maybe it's one out of those three whatever um and i have reasons for thinking except for rodan that that there are indications that they will christian javier kind of turned it on at the end um uh, last year and into the playoffs um however much um, i I just think like you gotta you're relying on like whoever like half of your bench pitchers to, to somewhat hit like it's like no. I don't know how you're going to navigate the wins, Ks, ratios when you really don't have any. Like you're not doing any player analysis. Like you're 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 doing less player analysis, admittedly, than other people. So, like even like I don't know. Um, taking Matt Brash, he said um, he's got a high whip, but like you don't even like there's no analysis. There's no digging into that. Like you thought it's because there's a lot of walks, but really it's. It wasn't really, he didn't really have a high walk rate. So there's no like analysis. My point is, there's no analysis on these pitchers. So it's sort of on just pitching, like- no doubt, no doubt. And, and, and I, I tried it and I'm just bad at it. Um, but, but do we need to do pitch mix analysis on you, Darvish, to know that he could be a top 40 starting pitcher? No, you need an MRI on, on you, Darvish. And he's and he's getting loose bodies removed, but in, and I'm not banking on any individual one of these. And but the flip side of it is, uh, I'm not trying to get the st- best starting pitching in the league because I don't need to because I've got the best hitting in the league. Hopefully, I think Bjorn wanted to say something about loose bodies. Yeah, yeah. When you said okay. loose body is removed, it took me back to my time uh, when I was security guard at the Wiggle Room. But go on. Okay. Um, yeah. So speaking of wiggle room, um, you, you also said that Sawyer Gibson long, you think he's going to be a top 50 pitcher. Um, there's a risk. He's not in the rotation, but like, what is he like eighth on the depth chart? Now you got like Mize is like sixth, right? You got Mize, you got Job, you got a bunch of other guys. Job isn't jumping Mize in, in anything I've read, but yeah, no, he's, he's six, seven, eight with Reese. 
well, who else am I thinking of? Um, I, I think he's in competition for that fifth spot. I, I bet on talent. I'm not, he's not my fifth starting pitcher. He's more like my seventh, eighth or ninth. Um, but where he's going, you know, 320. Uh, and it's been sliding, uh, I think, ever since uh, Maeda and, and Flaherty um, have signed. But um, It's puzzling, those signings. It's, I don't understand that. they got a lot of options there. I, They do. They do, that, especially with Reese. I loved Reese and Sawyer Gibson coming in. And obviously the obvious guys, uh, or at least uh, Tarek Skubal anyway. I love Maeda, by the way, pitching in that park. Um, but I'm not... I don't need them to pitch 160 innings. Sawyer yeah. Gibson, and I take Reese sometimes. Not my focus, but. All right. Last thing I wanted to ask you about is your relief pitcher strategy. You wait a lot, and you're like, it seems like you're stacking, like, like from what your podcast described, like pieces of teams. Like, you got the two guys, you got, you said you got Colin Pache and Kidridge, I think, on the Rays. Yeah, but then, but then, like, not the main closers like it looked look like you got like you said you got brash and topa but not munoz so it's like you you got you're getting you're getting the monopoly board but like not the not the main guy so it's like you got to wait and then you're like okay like i think i get five or six points and saves but like how do you figure that how do you figure the five or six points because like these these pitchers need something to happen it's like not just like i guess you're just throwing that like you're hoping that one of these six or seven relief pitchers gets a gets the closer role, which is actually not too um far-fetched. Well, Araldus Chapman, Hunter Harvey, Brian Abreu, even. I know he's not he's firmly not the closer, but he I think he's established himself as the next guy up and he's got uh, elite stats and and Ryan Presley's you know been injured and it's it's a great team. I think he could get uh 10 um 10 saves there and, and possibly more, but I'm not trying to even get middling in, in saves. Um, and the reason is I don't, in order to do so, and I, I don't know, in order to do so, I'd have to draft, you know, in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth rounds where, where I just don't think it's worth it. They're contributing to, Oh, no, okay. can you still hear me? Yes. Yep. Set up Jeopardy. Like, who's going to have better um, stats other than saves? Kenley Jansen or Joel Payamps? You know, I don't know how you say his name. Last year wasn't even close. Um, and and so you're, you're putting a lot of draft capital. Yes, they have a, an enormous advantage in one category, but it's one category. And I'm certainly not – like, I would think about Edwin Diaz and, and Felix Bautista. I'm not – you know, if you're healthy, I'm not comfortable with it, but – um, at least they contribute like Kyle Hendricks level strikeouts and, and, uh, and will influence, uh, you know, ERA and whip at like a partial, you know, Jake DeGrom type season. But these guys like Kenley Jansen, Albert Alzali, when I start to, uh, you know, consider closers, I'm just like, there's, there's a hitter I, I need that is, is going to affect the categories more positively versus the replacement. If I pick, you know, third, whatever baseman later on, um, then Kenley Jansen is going to affect more than one category in saves. It's not punting. It's soft punting, but Brian Abreu could get 10 saves and oh, he's going to sure. give you 80, 80 strikeouts and, and great numbers too. hundred strikeouts. 
I did last year. Yeah, I'm not yeah. counting on it, but all right. So uh, we're going to get a Jeopardy last. This is a game that we play um, at the end of uh, some of the episodes, and uh, if you can see my screen, we got some. We got three categories, and you can play against Bjorn, producer, because. He's the only guy we got for an opponent for you. And the categories are, and just you can just yell out the answer if you want it. There's no formal way of doing this. Um, the categories are the next Christian Yellick. Bjorn's a big fan of him. Uh, Mike Govier is the next category. I don't know if you know these people. And then the Athletic, the um, the um, the Athletic um, magazine. Um, sure. As a third category, you can put 500 or a thousand and I'll describe what the categories are when you select them. So Adam, you're our guest. You get to uh, have uh, control of the, board, of the board. Let's go with the one where I have any sort of familiarity. The next Yelich. The next Yelich. Oh, you, you got familiar. Okay. So these are terrible players. So for 500, this new Cardinal had a home run per nine over two and a 1.39 whip last year. Zach Thompson? And, and he's fat. This new Cardinal had a home run per nine over two and a 1.39 whip last year. And he's I new in the it. Cardinal. He's new oh, in the Lance Cardinal. Land. Lance yeah, Land. there you go. There you okay, go. 500 points for you. You got control of the board. There we go. Now we're rolling. You in on Lance Lynn this year for a bounce back? You want you're you're in you're in on you, Darvish, Rodon, and what's his face? Um you in on might as well be in on Lynn too. No. No, too fat. All right. What 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 category do you, what do you want to do now? Oh, it's two thousand. The next Yelich. Next Yelich. Okay, okay. These are bad players. Uh, the next Christian Yelich. These are players that are going to be bad. Um, this player had one homer in over five hundred plate appearances last year and hit two forty five with thirteen stolen bases. Give you a hint. You drafted him in, the, in your podcast uh, draft that you were talking about. I dropped it. You drafted him in the in the in the pod in the in your latest DC that you were describing in your podcast. I drafted him. Thirteen stolen bases. How many plate appearances or at bats? Um, over five hundred plate appearances. About a two forty five. You said um, <laughs> he's going to be back to who he was. Tim Anderson. Yeah, there you go. You're, oh, you're, right. you're sweeping this. Okay, go on. What, what do you uh, want next? Uh, we'll go uh, what looks like Mitch Garver, but Mike Govier to me, 500. All right. Do you know who that is or no? No, I don't. Okay. So these are people looking for a contract. Um, so for 500, this player had hit 36 homers and batted 250, but had less RBI than runs last year. So again, these are people looking for a contract, so free agents. 36 homers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's uh, that's what I was gonna say. I forgot I was competing. <laughs> yeah, you got to be quick. Okay, um, you like Solaire this year, Adam? Um, no, no, not a fan. You think he's his batting average is gonna tank? I, I injuries, I guess. I, I guess DHing helped him, but uh, I don't. It's not banking not a, on him. Okay. Um. All right, Bjorn, you have control. Uh, Mike Govier for a thousand. Okay, so these are people looking for a contract. Um, for 1,000, uh, this ace had a one point, has a 1.28 career whip, and I say ace in quotations, and a worse walk percentage than Matt Brash last year. Uh, and they need contract. 
Blake Snell? Yeah, you're good at this. Oh! There you go, Blake Snell. Are you in on Snell? Not where he's going, no. No, too high. Um, Blake Snell or Logan Webb? Oh, Logan Webb. But you're not taking any, you're not taking any of these guys anyways. You're taking all hitters. Oh, uh, I'm I'm not I'm not. Logan Webb gets pushed toward 100 pick around around pick one. I think he's just super. I mean, those are opposite guys. Super consistent versus you know Blake Snell. Okay, well you got two questions left. They're both um same category. So Adam. Oh, that's right. Athletic 500. The athletic. So this is the athletic. So the uh, these are things advertised as bargains, but are not. So for 500, um, the oft, this oft injured pitcher was shut down at the end of last year with an elbow injury, but has an ADP over 200. Uh, what's his face? Darvish. Yeah. So yeah, again, things advertise as bargains, but aren't. Oh, well that's, it's, you just miscategorized it. Well, yeah, you don't yeah. understand all these, all these questions or all these answers are subjective. This is not a, this is not a real jeopardy. This is, I, I, this is, uh, just, Zach's jeopardy. Joking. Play All right, around. so the last, the last, the last question. You're fucking uh, Adam. Dude. I'm, uh, I'm checking my notes here. No pressure, but if you get this right, you'll be our most successful Jeopardy uh, contestant ever. It's pretty, oh. pretty uh, amazing performance so far. So uh, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. And I'm here. usually terrible at trivia. All right. Well, um, okay. For one thousand, this overpaid pitcher saw a four percent reduction in his CSW. That's called strike, um, and whiff percentage. Um, and had a 6.85 ERA, but Steamer projects him for a 3.78 ERA next year. That should be easy. Should be. He's way overpaid. It's probably going to be the biggest bust in fantasy. Um, you drafted him in that draft as well. Um, oh, I wrote on. Yeah. Biggest yeah. Bust. He's going to be the biggest bust again. Well, he's going to pick 170. Yeah. So, again, things advertise as bargains, but aren't. <laughs> <laughs> So Adam, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, like um, I know you're, you're you're outspoken and people are you're making some waves, but you know what? Like I think you're 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 dedicated to it. You're you're passionate about NFBC, and um, like you, you haven't been around as long as some of the old timers, but like I, I think um, I think you're gonna do well. I think I think uh, you might it might not be this year, it might not be next year, but I think you, you got the you, you got the attitude for it for sure. I appreciate that. Listen, there was a guy who I absolutely like. We hate each other, you know, not real hate, but hate each other in the in the drip. And he pointed something out, a mistake that I made. And we made a little side wager uh, on our teams versus each other in an already drafted league. And after that, he pointed out, you know, that I, I didn't quite have enough innings because I only drafted about 12 and a half pitchers. And, and a lot of them were, you know, like James Paxton and, and Rodon. And I'm not I am not immune to. um I always want to improve. It might not be great to hear from particular individuals, but, but as brash as I am, I can change my opinion. If I feel if, if there's pretty compelling evidence presented to me. So, well, you know what, what, like uh, talking to you, you seem like a pretty sharp guy and you, and you, you can, you, you back up what you say, like you, everything you've said, you've, you've, you've had sound rationale for, I think you're going to have people that don't agree with your your strategy. People are very set in their ways. It's a very incestuous group in the NFBC. They're, it's like you need to do it this way, this way, that way. But eventually you're going to have somebody that's going to come in and they're going to some, – somebody is going to come in and just have a strategy that that works. There's more than one, more than one way to skin a cat. And um, maybe it's you what? this year. Yeah, well, I used you know, to be I'm... a taxidermist also. Uh, 
Adam, I don't know if you know that. And there is, in fact, one more than one way to skin a cat. Uh, hammers, nails, um, some sort of embalming liquid. But um, yeah, back to you, Adam. Yep. I use, I, I'm a vegan, an animal rights guy. I use a different term. and I, I won't put it on the uh, podcast. But um, you know what might be interesting in a, a, a good modeling episode is if I completely flop, we still do a revisiting episode and, and examine why. Because I, I think that's... You got it. The most important thing to do for fantasy baseball is examine your own mistakes. And it's uncomfortable for people to do. It's, you know, it's the most important thing to do in a lot of areas. If you, if you want to improve in anything, if you're studying for an exam or anything like that. Right. So you got to fail. I agree. You got to, you got to spend more time examining your failures than um, jerking off over your success. Yeah. Which I, you know, I do a fair amount of. Yeah. (laughs) It's more fun. I'm not a perfect human being. I've never said that. No one. No, 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 no one here is. So anything else you want to add? You want to remind everyone where to find you? Because you know what? Like you, you seem like a good guy. You, like a, you should you should come down to Vegas one one of these years and do some live drafts. Oh, man. I, I, I would love for it to be a bigger part of my life. I definitely would if I can. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm on Twitter. I, I don't really tweet all that much, but my podcast is Fantasy Baseball Disrupted. Uh, I, I'll probably just do about 10 episodes this season. Just, you th- I don't you do think, a lot. You think it's easier to talk trash online, like just in the, in the draft rooms, but you can talk trash in, in, in the actual live drafts too. I've done it. Oh, that's but, what I do. Yeah. Oh, live like in person. In person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that'll be harder to do. It is I hard. I can't shield myself from the, uh, I can't shield myself from, you know, people going at me. Everyone's in the same room, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> that That yeah, might that get me might... off my game. That might get me off my game. But if it's a slow draft, maybe. It'll certainly be fun. Yeah, it's no, it is, it is a lot of fun. I'll wait, I'll wait until I have a little bit of a track record, then maybe I'll do it in person. All right. Any anything uh-huh. anything you want to say to the, the people that uh, that are the haters out there that that say you're too brash and then they say your fucking draft sucks and they wanna they wanna they wanna put money on the line and they say, Well, I'm gonna easily beat you, your team sucks. What do you have to say to them? I, what what sort of confidence level do you have headed heading into this year? Oh, pretty big. Pretty big. Um, especially against individual teams when I can look at their specific teams, it's hard to get a good grasp on. But I would I would just say I would just point this out. No one's gonna take this advice. Everyone is thinking emotionally. I come in with braggadocia, braggadocia and everyone's reacting to that and they're not looking at the positive aspects. Uh, they're just looking at the flaws and uh, that's a bias. Uh, and that's really what they should be doing to their own strategy is looking at the flaws because you can't improve your strengths really. Um, so I, you know, I would just say, stop thinking emotionally. Me saying I'm, I'm great is, is, is not a direct attack on your ego, even if it is indirect. How long have you been a vegan for? Uh, I got my dogs in uh, 2012, fell in love with them, became, veg- I kind of generalized it to all animals, became a vegetarian in 2015 or 16, and then maybe 2017, I became vegan. That is really, I don't know, I couldn't imagine that. For for me, a day without meat in my mouth is not a day I want to live, so. Oh, I love meat. <laughs> yeah. I love I love meat, and I, I don't really like what I eat. It, it's just, it's not even a choice for me. It's just, it just became a thing I had to do. Cool. Sure, that's noble of you. 
Well, congratulations on being the uh, the greatest uh, Jeopardy champion guest we've ever had. Uh, oh, did I win to... it? Was Rodon the? Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. You fucking am, you I mean, smoke Jeopardy. All those answers were geared toward me and all players I talk about, but I will take it. Yeah, I will take it. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And you know what? Reach out anytime. We'll talk baseball. Talk some shit in these drafts. Don't don't be a stranger at all. Absolutely. I appreciate you uh, uh, hearing me out uh, and uh, being open to new ideas. Awesome. All right. Well, take care and we'll um, talk to you later. You as well. Take care and good luck.